I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty, Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Elon Musk last night on Tucker Carlson trying to warn the world about AI. I think that was a um, a response to the fairly sanguine 60 Minutes long piece on AI the other night, and I really thought there were way too many smiles, and I don't think it's going to be great. I don't think it's going to be great. Hmm. I think some things will be great. I think there's going to be a lot of awful. But anyway, we'll get to that later. Well, and it's interesting to see the divide in opinions between uh, different groups. I mean, they could not be more divided. Oh, speaking of which, I came across one of the most astounding political statistics I've seen in many moons, which I'll share with you uh, in a little bit. But first of all, Michael, do we have the theme music ready for Armstrong and Getty? Get down to business. down to business. (laughs) I happen to come across a a handful of really interesting uh, bits of business news that I thought I would (laughs) share with you. And therefore, you have to have a name and music. Yeah, I just like that. I don't know why. I get it. Yeah, it just gives people a framework, I Mm -hmm. think. Anyway, Armstrong, you get get down to business. You don't have to play it again. Um, (laughs) What was I going to say? Something else? Well, the business of America is business, Jack, so let's get down to it. Nurse shortage pushes hospitals into the gig economy. According to the Wall Street Journal, new nurse apps are luring workers to open shifts with higher pay and shorter hours. Some of the nation's largest hospital systems, including Providence, Advocate Health, are using apps similar to ride-hailing technology to attract scarce nurses. There's an app from ShiftKey that lets workers bid for shifts. Another, called CareRev, helps hospitals adjust pay to match supply, lowering rates for popular shifts, and raising them to entice nurses to work overnights or holidays. 
I don't know what it's like to be a nurse. Uh, I've known plenty of nurses who absolutely love their job and taking care of people. I've known people who hated it, so I have no idea. But I have known for, geez, this has been true for like 20 years at least. You want a job where you're going to make good money and you're guaranteed a job and you can go anywhere in America? It's being a nurse. It's been that way for many, many years. Pick where you want to live. Go Mm -hmm. there. They need you. Yeah, indeed. Uh, So here's a business analyst for a nursing administration company. He said, we're still short. Uh, Many nurses retired or left the field after the pandemic, made their jobs far harder. Mm. Others switched hospitals uh, for jobs with higher pay, more flexible schedules, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Nurse employment dropped by more than 100,000 workers between 2020 and 2021. More than 100,000. Uh, let's see. And they give an example of an L.A. area hospital that offered gig workers $106 an hour for a 12-hour intensive care shift on Easter Sunday. Wow. So you make, uh, you know, 1250 bucks. Gross. For does, a single shift. That's pretty good. Does anybody else in a good-paying job get to wear more comfortable, comfortable clothes than nurses? No. You get Absolutely. to wear, like, your sketcher shoes and, like, loose-fitting stuff. Easy to wash, I'm sure. I just, yeah. I mean, they've, got, they've really got the world whipped when it comes to outfits. Some of the hospital systems uh, want to break the typical 12-hour shift into six-hour gig jobs, again, to attract more workers. 12-hour shift as a nurse is a long damn time. That I'd say. Because you have to maintain a certain amount of concentration to make sure everybody gets the right medicine and that sort of thing. And and when mistakes are made, people howl with with uh, anger and indignity, which I get. But it's a tough gig. It would be tiring. I have spent way more time than I uh, would like to have in the ER over the last couple of years. And, geez, it's just such a beehive of activity. I can't imagine doing a 12-hour shift of that. You'd be exhausted. Indeed. Moving along, Berserkly, California, became the first city to prohibit natural gas connections in new buildings in 2019. Part of that whole ridiculous pretending that natural gas is bad for people, natural gas stoves. Uh, it's just trying to eliminate fossil fuels, so they made up a study. How, how did this catch on to such an extent that Seattle did it, San Francisco's doing it, where you can't have natural gas in your home? So you can claim that right-wingers claiming we're getting rid of gas stoves. Another fake news from the, well, okay, well, you're not allowing gas at all in homes, so you're kind of taking my gas stove. Well, the California Restaurant Association challenged Berkeley's ban in federal court. A lower court judge uh, agreed with the city, but then uh, that was overruled yesterday by a three-judge Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals panel. Saying y'all's, and it has to do with the uh, the superiority of federal energy regulations over state rules and regs. It's kind of complicated, but they said no. You can keep using natural gas. I'm starting to think this is going to, in the end, be as big as the whole butter margarine thing looked back on over time. Do tell. Having grown up eating margarine instead of butter, I was I lived in Wisconsin. The dairy state, and we were eating freaking margarine because the government told us it was healthier. Then the government decided in like the 90s, oh, it turns out like this is really practically the worst thing you could possibly put in your body. Yeah, we call it trans fat now, and it's a death sentence. 
so which reminds me at some point we need to squeeze in maybe hour three i've got a little featurette on science and scientists and universities and uh to what extent they should be trusted i represent science but i yeah. think it's gonna yeah be- you know what you do represent science you lying money grubbing <laughs> bitter old fruit um you perfectly represent science, which is the point. Stay with us. There's going to be testimony in Congress today about how it was probably a lab leak, but now we're on our eighth tangent of this story. Uh, I think it's going to be similar to the butter margarine thing in retrospect, this whole electricity versus fossil fuel thing. I think we're going to hit a point where it becomes evident to everyone, and we're going to think, what were we thinking? When we realize how impossible it is to produce enough electricity for the cars and the stoves and the homes and everything like that, Mm -hmm. and and how we're using more fossil fuels than we've ever used before to try to create all this electricity, and I think it's going to seem crazy that we ever thought differently. Well, and I have some information on that, too, and and mining the metals needed for all of the batteries is an undertaking. It's elephantine. It's it's Mount Everestine. And nobody's talking about it. Anyway, moving along with the business report. Uh, some of your super giant consulting firms, McKinsey and Bain, are often bellwethers of the economy, what they do and how they do it. Well, the top consulting firms are saying, hey, you know that job offer we gave you? We want you to start next year. And here's how that works. They're among these consulting firms are among the biggest recruiters of business school talent, your MBA crowd, right? Um, Bain told MBAs who had offer letters from them that if they waited to start until April of next year, the firm would pay them $40,000 to work for a nonprofit or $30,000 to learn a new language or participate in an educational program. In one communication, uh, suggested hires could also become yoga instructors or go on safari for $20,000. I'm in the wrong damn field. Wow, I got half of an MBA. Go get the other half, then go on a safari. (laughs) They'll pay you. Or become a yoga instructor. Who would be better than me? At McKinsey, many MBA hires don't have start dates yet. Several students, the the company, which is in the process of laying off as many as 2,000 workers, said those new hires will be brought in over a series of months. Uh, We'll let you know. Yeah, I wouldn't hold my breath. So that's interesting uh, as far as the economy goes. And then this I thought was intriguing. It's about Tesla, uh, one of Elon Musk's many hobbies, together with the most important rocket company on Earth. I think and that funny social media deal. Well, and he's starting this new AI company, which he talked about on Tucker last night. That might end up dominating a lot of his time as he tries to combat the uh, the other AI companies. Wow, he really needs to clone himself or invent some computer versions of himself or something. Right. Or he will kill himself. But anyway, um, the, the headline in the Wall Street Journal is Tesla faces a tougher road ahead in China. And it's mostly about the Chinese EV market. There are more than 100 exhibitors who are packing into China's most prestigious industry event in, uh, I think it's Beijing or Shanghai, I can't remember, and it really doesn't matter. Um, At least a dozen new EVs will be unveiled this week. For the Chinese market, uh, Tesla is not even going to have a booth because they have no new products, and there was a protest at their booth last year, and it turned kind of ugly, but... There were 107 new fully electric or plug-in hybrid models launched in China last year, which expects to see 155 more this year. 
I was in a Hun- an electric Hyundai the other day. A guy was driving it for an Uber car in Los Angeles, and as my son went and I went from one skate park to another, and it was electric, and it was it was freaking nice. And yeah. I was talking to the guy about it. It was a forty thousand dollar car, brand new, and it was cool. It was the best electric car other than the Tesla I drive that I'd ever been in. So there there are a lot of options out there. Of course, we back to the old problem of you got to produce the electricity somewhere. So a couple of quick stats for you. Uh, Tesla's market share of EVs in China has fallen from 14% to 10%. BYD Company, which I was not even familiar with, it's uh, heavily in, uh, uh, invested in by Warren Buffett, has surpassed Tesla in China. And has its market share has risen from 13% to 20% in the last two years. I have never even heard of BYD. That's the company Gavin Newsom did his deal with for masks at the beginning of the pandemic. Ah, really? For some reason. Hmm. Probably corrupt. And then finally, <laughs> uh, we're all human. We all fall short sometimes. All right. I'll do a very short version of this. Anheuser-Busch's CEO has apologized, sort of, for the whole Dylan Mulvaney flap. It has satisfied practically nobody. They put out a new Go Murica commercial with Clydesdales clopping across bridges and stuff in a desperate attempt to shore up their A, uh, perceptions in American B, stock price. So more on that to come. Yeah, I saw the actual numbers on beer sales versus other domestic brands. It's a pretty big drop in a very short amount of time that's being credited to, obviously, that PR move, which turned out to not to be the best PR move of all time. Uh, many more things to talk about, including a warning from Elon about the future, and uh, and this is a, just a good place to be if you want to know what's going on in the world. Oh, but, yeah, and that political statistic, I'm telling you, it will shock you. Oh, man, I love to be shocked. That's on the way. Armstrong and Getty. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up as well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James! LeBron James! And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
The Armstrong and Getty Show. Regulations are really only put into effect after something terrible has happened. That's correct. If that's the case for AI and we only put in regulations after something terrible has happened, it may be too late to actually put the regulations in place. The AI may be in control at that point. You think that's real? It is, it is conceivable that AI could take control and reach a point where you couldn't turn it off and it would be making, making the decisions for people? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. No, it's, that's, the, that's definitely the way things are headed. <laughs> Not in some circumstances, perhaps if the... No, he said, oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. If we don't and put Tucker's the... Reg- like, whoa, dude, really? <laughs> if we don't put the regulations in place now, it'll be too late. AI will be in control. Okay, more on that coming up in a little bit. But th- that needed to be on 60 Minutes. There wasn't enough of that. I, for one, welcome our robot overlords. <laughs> All right. Humans have not impressed me thus far. For instance, Anheuser-Busch hiring, well, uh, this Dylan Mulvaney fellow. A couple of quick emails about that from our beloved listeners. You can email us, mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. Bruce writes, guys, Dylan is not trans. He's a dude getting his freak on to get rich. Why the libs and the media buy what he's selling is beyond me. He's demeaning to women, he's insulting to real dudes, and he's an embarrassment to real trans in the community. Uh, no more Bud products or Nike products for me ever. There are lots of good alternatives. And then this, uh, Ben, forgive me for, oh, where is it? Uh, your review of the Dylan Mulvaney spasm displays uncanny parallels to a forbidden minstrel show of the past. This character portrays females by mostly by the most flatter, unflattering stereotypes held by the very people that feminists abhor. He represents the same gender-bending equivalent of blackface. Uh, how long until this spasm is condemned the same way Jimmy Kimmel's bit on the man show is, for instance? Mm. He used to do a blackface thing. Yeah. It is, it's a woman minstrel show. That's one of the reasons it offends me so much. Yeah. Interesting. Anyway. So uh, has it hurt sales? We were wondering about that at the time, if the, if the Bud Light drinkers would be bothered by that. And Bud Light sales are down not a ton, according to Bud Light and people who are so pro Dylan Mulvaney. But if you dig into it a little more and you compare it with their main competitors, which are Coors Light and Miller Light, in that arena, which is where they're fighting, that's where mm-hmm. all the, the, the change occurred. They're down double digits against Coors Light and Miller Light, who are up double digits. Coors Light up 11%, Miller Light up 17% in that amount of time. So all of the drop-off went to their two main competitors. Which is what right. I thought would happen. You're either you're you're either a Bud Light, Miller Light, Coors Light sort of person, or you're not. It's not like you're going to go to Bass Ale from Bud Light or something like that. So that's that's the arena they fight in. That's where all the money is. So I think it's been that's a pretty significant change in a short period of time. According to the New York Post, Anheuser Busch's top executive on Friday offered an apology that was flatter than a day old Bud Light, as the beer giant <laughs> reels from backlash. Over its sponsorship with minstrel show perpetrator and woman mocker Dylan Mulvaney, uh, said the uh, CEO, we never intended to be part of a discussion that divides people. You We're in the business it? of bringing people together over a beer. If she means that, she's a moron. If you didn't think that was going to divide people and become controversial, you shouldn't be in charge because you're an idiot. You have not been reading the room. 
Uh, a quick point of order. That was Brendan Whitworth, the CEO, the oft-quoted chick about the uh, the fratty old brand and the old customers is a different woman entirely and a woman. Uh, and uh, top executives uh, didn't know this was going to happen. They what? claim. Have you been paying attention to the world? Don't you think they should have known that? Here's a, a major financial uh, publication editor saying, I simply don't understand why they hired the person who was doing the marketing. I mean, if your target customer is Kid Rock, then all of a sudden you decide to go to RuPaul. That just doesn't make any <laughs> sense at all. Right. That's what I'm saying. That this, this seems more like a, well, this is what she was trying to do, but this seems more like a, we need a radical new direction. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's going to be hard for people to take, but it's a, the best long-term plan. Okay, that's fine. You make those decisions. But, uh, like, we had no idea this was going to shake things up. Well, okay. Wow. So I really don't have time to pay off the uh, political statistic that wowed me so much, but it's the percentage of adults in the U.S. that uh, identify with one of the two major political parties or don't. Reveal that to you in a moment. Interesting. If you missed an hour, get the podcast. Armstrong and Getty. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic Gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Breaking news, donkey. Breaking news, donkey. Uh-oh. When news breaks, the donkey brays. All Southwest Airline flights grounded nationwide due to a computer glitch. Er, McGird. That airline is sucking. Over the last however many, wow. my favorite airline that I've been bragging about and loving for so long has screwed me over and over again in the last six months. And uh, had some of the worst flying experiences of my life, as did everyone else in the nation. 
and now they're grounded across the country. Uh, 800 flights nationwide so far. Oof. How long will it take? Um, this doesn't sound like the sort of thing that they wrap up in 15 minutes either. No, uh, and we all know the way this whole thing works. I mean, if you, you, you get an interruption like this, it, it could take two days to catch up if they get it fixed now. If it takes hey, an Southwest. Hour. How about we consider, I don't know, unamusing stewardesses, but flights that take off? <laughs> <laughs> hey, what? Tell you what, I'll trade you jokes for arriving on time. Huh? The jokes are great. I do love the jokes, but I really want to get where I'm going. So I'll trade you. You know, there are so many examples, including governments, state and federal government agencies, the IRS in particular, that are running technology that is so ancient and so prone to bugs, but they they never invest the money to to update until it becomes such a serious problem, it's way more expensive than it would have been. But I, what are you going to do, craft a law or regulations or whatever? Here's here's the official statement from Southwest that just came out. If you look out your right window, uh, you'll see as a result of the intermittent technology techno, technology issues that we experienced, we should hopefully be resuming our operation as soon as possible. We apologize. This is my favorite part from our, all airlines all the wait, time. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Hopefully as soon as possible. Yeah. What the hell does that mean? But this is my favorite part that the airlines always tell you as your entire day or trip, or maybe if you're like missing a funeral or a wedding, you know, very major things have changed. We apologize for any convenience and we appreciate your uh, patience. Yeah, that you talk about a meaningless phrase that I think only makes people angrier. I think you're better yeah. off if you leave that out than if you say, we appreciate your uh, putting up with this. No, I'm not. Put, I'm forced to put up with it. I'm not doing anything out of the goodness of my heart. No. And I'm not okay. Um, you're 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 suggesting that it's clear that everything's fine, and I've gotten over it already. Uh, everything is not fine, and I'm not getting over it. So don't. And I have no it. patience for you and your crap. Try that <laughs> if you're in an argument with your wife or your the, the, the kid or whatever the next time. Just tell them I'm happy you see it my way, and I'm glad that, that we can move on now. No, 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 I don't see it your way, and I'm not ready to move on. Hey, 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 I appreciate your patience. <laughs> your happiness is important to me here at Husband Incorporated. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Thank I, you for your patience. I appreciate your understanding. No, I don't, I don't. understand. No, I'm I, beginning to hate you. <laughs> I disagree with you completely. I appreciate your understanding, and uh, yeah, I hope you fly with us next time. And once again, as a wordsmith, I need to turn my gaze to the phrase, hopefully as soon as possible. (laughs) So not even definitely as soon as possible, which is an unspecified time, but hope maybe as soon as possible, maybe sooner than possible. Hopefully, eventually, before we're all dead, our planes will fly again, perhaps. Signed, Southwest. Thank you for your patience. Well, and if you wow. remember back during, was it Christmas or Thanksgiving? Actually, how long has this been going on? Was that Thanksgiving when it melted down the first time? I think it was. And then it was, we were all worried about Christmas. So it's longer than I was thinking. When everybody was stranded all across the country and the freaking pilots couldn't figure out where they were supposed to go because they didn't have any way to like communicate within internally in the company. Right, you had to call in. There was no website, there was no app or whatever. And the, and the phones, all our lines are busy. Your piloting is important to us. Please hold. 
and man. stewardesses were getting hotels on their own dime because they didn't know where they're supposed to go and where they're supposed to just stand around the airport for the next three days. So they just go get a hotel. Hey, we need to grab that Saturday Night Live uh, fake Southwest commercial. That was so funny at mm. the time. I happened to see that the other day. Yeah. Reminded of it. I'll um, bet. I'll bet what's happening right now is there because this only happened like 10 minutes ago. I'll bet they're still in the what's going on phase. I'll bet they haven't even gotten to the figuring out what the problem is to start to solve it yet. I'll bet they're still in the what's happening. Does anybody know what's happening? Trying to call people, getting busy lines, phones not working. Oh, I hate I hate being at airports when this is happening and everybody's mm. gathered around and everybody's angry and everybody needs to get where they're going and the lines are long and you can't get anything to eat or any coffee or get in the bath. Oh, I hate that whole thing. Ugh. Judy just told the uh, retold the story of when she was traveling with I think she, we had two kids at that point, two little kids and uh, flights got canceled and all. And she waits at the end of a long ass line waiting to get up to the gate agent finally gets up there and they say, we're closing the station. You need to go over there to uh, gate four and gate four, of course, has got a line of 150 people. She's got to get at the end of that. And that's why your wife's been in prison all these years. Mm-hmm. But I visit her all the time. She seems to be thriving. Orange is the new black, but she, but she does not regret having murdered all those people. <laughs> anyway, uh, oh, so that's God, crazy. Dang it. I, and, you know, s- 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 a lot of employees, a lot of really great Southwest employees. I've, I've of course. enjoyed many, many times over the year. But the ones that don't understand, you have to pretend you care or it makes people insanely angry and hate you forever. Yeah. That that like you just don't give a crap. That you've changed somebody's day. And my argument that I've been making for a long time, not successfully, I've never made it successfully, but I'd still like putting it out there. I've done it with United. I've done it with Southwest. I paid a whole bunch of money for a product. You're not giving me the product. Now, what are you going to do for me? Now, they always look at me like, are you crazy? They don't do anything for you. They tell you, I know you paid a whole bunch of money for a product, but we ain't going to give it to you. So, we'll, so, so suck We'll it. give you the product <laughs> another time. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So uh, I apologize for holding out on you this long. It was unintentional, but this uh, political statistic, Ian Bremmer tweeted it out the other day. Um, Back in 2004, okay, Grover Cleveland was the president. Uh, Major League Baseball was playing their first season. No, it was 2004, for goodness sakes. Your Democrats, Republicans, and Independents were 35% of voting age Americans. 33% 33% and 31%. 35, 33, 31, Democrat, Republican, Independent. So very okay. close to a third, a third, a third. Yeah, almost exactly, honestly. It's it's a poll of uh, 10,000 plus adults, so it's a fairly narrow margin for error. But yeah, yeah, it's about a third, a third, a third. Uh, now, uh, Democrats and Republicans are tied at roughly 25%, and Independents are 49%. Wow, a quarter, quarter, half. Yeah. Yeah, thought that was interesting. Yeah. Well, and uh, the comments section, as you might imagine, ran hot with count me in. Yeah, me too. Vehemently in that group. Well, how many people, if, you are, if you're a Republican, for a lot of Republicans, they have reasons not to want to call themselves a Republican anymore. And if you're a Democrat, for a lot of reasons, you don't want to call yourself a Democrat anymore. Because you, maybe you're the kind of Democrat that doesn't want to be associated with Dylan Mulvaney. 
Right. Or right. defund the police or a variety of things. Sex changes for children and, and, and right. Exactly. And the, the problem is, thanks to the Internet, the wackadoodle branch of each of the parties has now got way too much attention, way too much money, way too much influence, uh, in my opinion. So when we hear polling, because I got a poll here of Republicans. So would that be that narrow group of a quarter or would it? include a whole bunch of people who call themselves independents but get polled as republicans do you have any idea how that works hmm, i don't know i often see in the methodology of polls republican or republican leaning right voters what is this poll i don't have you know Let's i'd see, say you go the the, uh, the instant analysis is well an independent uh, presidential candidate for instance could win but the problem is the structure, the money, the fundraising, and the fact that, you know, independents might actually represent a pretty broad set of, uh, you know, policies and ideologies. Well, yeah, that's definitely true. But the biggest problem is, even if they represented one ideology, the two parties have worked for decades to make sure that that doesn't happen. It's a duopoly. Yeah, one thing. One thing they... The only thing... A Republican or Democrat would hate more than the other team winning the presidency would be somebody that's not a Republican or Democrat winning the presidency. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so then this poll I'm about to hit you, when I hear a, re- a poll about Democrats think this or Republicans think this, should I think, well, that's only a quarter of America? I don't know. Anyway, the percentage of Republicans who are very or, or say very or somewhat important loyalty to Trump has gone up a lot since the indictment. It's now 76%. Three-quarters of Republicans say loyalty to Trump is somewhat or very important. It was down closer to a half prior to the indictment, but now it's up to back up to where it was before. Three-quarters of Republicans, loyalty to Trump, somewhat or very important. So... He's he's gonna be tough to beat, man. Really tough. I almost think like I almost think like there has to be an event, like something has to happen, another indictment or a conviction or or something would have to happen to change the trajectory. We got plenty of time, obviously. More indictments, which many people think are coming. Like not, I think they could come. Just no, no. He's gonna be indicted multiple times on these different things. Hmm. Um, I don't know if that will, will those numbers go up or will at some point people think, ah, no, no, that indicted four things or four times over three different issues. What I'm really struggling with is the name for my podcast about bars at golf clubs across America, because if it's Biden v. Trump, I will leave this business <laughs> and start a new one. For a minimum of six months to a year. That's right. Until so I will just over. go to the best golf courses in America and review their bars specifically. <laughs> and I'll get a little drunked up by the end of the podcast. It'll be like Bill Maher's YouTube show. Um, right. I'll be slurring. I'll say things I later regret, but it'll be entertaining. Hope you join us for Joe Getty's. I don't have a name yet. Well, you know what? Submit your idea. Mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. A little of Elon Musk talking about AI and Tucker last night said some extraordinary things among other great stuff on the way. Armstrong and Getty. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. 
Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Armstrong and Getty Show. It's one of the things that, the sort of four or five things I thought would really uh, affect the future uh, dramatically. It, it is fundamentally profound in that the, the, the smartest creatures, as far as we know, on this earth are humans, um, is our defining characteristic. Yes. Um, we're obviously uh, weaker than, say, chimpanzees and less agile, um, but we're smarter. So... Uh, now, what happens when something uh, vastly smarter than the smartest person uh, comes along in silicon form? Uh, it's very difficult to predict what will happen in that circumstance. It's called the singularity. It's, you know, it's a singularity like a black hole, because yes. you, you don't know what happens after that. It's hard to predict. Elon Musk on Tucker Carlson last night with not quite as cheery or optimistic view of artificial intelligence as they presented to, to us. Did they have any soccer-playing robots? (laughs) You know, I was thinking about this uh, after I watched Elon. I thought, that 60 Minutes piece was great. I really enjoyed it. I watched it with my kids last night. We talked about it for a long time. They're both horrified by it and wish it wasn't going to happen. As I was talking to them about, this is going to be the future of their lives, and they don't really Mm -hmm. like the idea of that being so uh, up in the air, but... It is true. Uh, that 60 Minutes piece really needed to have Elon or someone like Elon to present, you know, because that one guy they talked to, was he with, everybody they were talking to was in the for-profit part of AI. Elon's not in the for-profit part of AI. He started OpenAI for that very reason, because he wanted to have something that was open and transparent and not driven by money so that this doesn't get out of control. So was it the guy from Google or Microsoft, it doesn't make any difference, who said, oh, yes, yeah, some jobs will be lost, but the, the many jobs will be created. No, okay, well, that that's a nice rosy glow of it, but most people think this is going to be the biggest disruptor of work in the world since the Industrial Revolution, and there's going to be a lot of downside to that. Well, and I remember, I think it was the Microsoft guy said, uh, now, certainly over time, uh, up to 70% of jobs will be changed. And I pointed out, 
Yeah, over time means like in three months. The Industrial Revolution took decades to really fire up and get going. Right, and Scott Pelley started the whole thing Sunday night by saying this could be as big as man discovering fire. That's a heck of a statement. Mm -hmm. And I think it might be true. Anywhere... Anyway, I've told this story many times because I read this like five years ago in a book. But here's Elon telling the story about his interaction with uh, Paige, the guy that started Google, and the views of AI. The, the, the things like, like say, uh, ChatGPT, which is uh, based on GPT-4 from OpenAI, which right. is a company that I uh, played a, uh, a critical role in, in creating, unfortunately. Uh, Back when it was a nonprofit? <sighs> yes. Um, I mean, the... the, the the, the reason uh, OpenAI exists at all is that um, Larry Page and I used to be close friends, and I would yes. stay at his house in Palo Alto, and I would talk to him late into the night about uh, AI safety. And at least my perception was that Larry was not taking uh, AI safety uh, seriously enough. Um, and um, What did he say about it? He really seemed to be what um, it once sort of a digital superintelligence, basically digital god, if you will, uh, uh, as soon as possible. Um, he wanted that? Yes. He's, he's made many public statements over the years uh, that, that the whole goal of Google is uh, uh, what's called AGI, artificial general intelligence or artificial superintelligence. So before we get to this next part, you got to keep in mind that the one of the co-founders of Google, which is the dominant AI player in the world, has a view of creating some sort of digital god. And the way they look at artificial intelligence versus humanity in this story. No, and I, and I agree with him that the, there's great potential for good, um, but there's also potential for bad. And so if, if you've got some um, radical new technology, you want to try to take the set of actions that maximize probably it, it will do good and minimize probably it will do bad things. Yes. Um, it, it can't just be health leather. Let's just go, you know, barreling forward and, you know, hope for the best. And then at one point, uh, I said, well, what about, you know, we're going to make sure humanity's okay here. Um, <laughs> and, 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 um, uh, and then he called me a speciest. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> did, he use, did he use that term? Yes. And there were witnesses. The other, I wasn't the only one there when he called me a speciest. And so I was like, okay, that's it. Uh, I've, yes, I'm a speciest, okay. You got me. <laughs> what are you? <laughs> yeah, I'm fully specious. Um, busted. Um. <laughs> busted. So specious, which I read in print as speciesist, but it's like racist or sexist. The right. guy who founded Google, which is the 800-pound gorilla of AI, their belief is, no, 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 that's like racist or something. It's speciesist. It's to prefer humans over AI. That's mm-hmm. wrong. You shouldn't be worried about human beings continuing to be the dominant power on earth well and then hiding out in the open is the fact that larry page and his ilk consider computer intelligence or computers a species there you go right yeah right if you prefer one over the other obviously the other must also be a species which then has you know protective rights and, and and you know you can't stamp it out any more than you could you know, willfully eliminate pandas. I would kind of like to know if Scott Pelley had asked that question to the current guy running Google, if that philosophy still exists. Do you still consider AI to be a species or it will be in the near future and that it should be equal to or maybe even above humans? I'd like to know that. Wouldn't you like to know that? 
Yeah, I'm not sure I would trust his answer, honestly, although Sundar Pichai comes off as a brilliant man, which he unquestionably is, but is kind of a benign and friendly fellow. Uh, Googles do no evil. They do evil all the time. They do things we don't want. They do things they denied that they've done. They are politically extremely active on one side of the, the, uh, the aisle. I don't and know. He I, might I don't trust them. He might say it out loud, though, just like Larry Page did, because they don't see it as controversial. They see it as perfectly natural and normal and okay. Well, there's a reason, you know, he doesn't run Google anymore, and Pichai does. He's cagier. Holy crap! I mean, that's like, well, that's why Elon thinks it could be a species-ending event, AI. And it's coming at us like a freight train. Unbelievable. We've had a good run. <laughs> Have we? If you miss an hour of this show, you can grab it in podcast form. Armstrong and Getty On Demand. Armstrong and Getty. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.